In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you spent some time with us. You're already spending time with us. We appreciate that. Um, I'm Chip Brown. He is Zay, per Zay Hilton. Zay Collier. What's popping? What's popping? Look forward man? to what Zay finds on social media because that's becoming a hot segment here on Chip and Zay. Uh, and Zay, we're going to be joined at 2.15 today by Quan Cosby. Ooh, oh man, we're bringing out the big guns this week. Quan Cosby. Do you understand that Texas has not won back-to-back games over OU since 08, 09? Mm. Does that tell you where Texas has been? Yeah, that's uh, it's not good. Don't like that. It's not good. Don't like that. Yeah. What's up, CB? CB, what's good? Greatest volunteer producer in the history of radio. All right, so Zay, you know, the week, we're at Wednesday. And I'm looking at this OU defense. And I think, I think they can make things interesting. I think they can make things interesting. And I'm, there's so many dynamics about this game that, that, uh, that stand out to me. The first one I want to talk about though, and I just wrote about this over at Horns 24 seven. It's a free story. I tweeted out is the unique dynamics of this game because of the way the fans are divided at the 50-yard line. Half the Cotton Bowl's crimson, half of it's burnt orange. And the sound just keeps coming because you've got one fan base trying to outcheer the other. It's confusing to the players. They're used to hearing fans at home cheering for them, fans getting quiet when they play well on the road. And, and, and then if they're not playing well, you know, vice versa. But in this game, the sound never goes away until one fan base gives up hope. And it has this residual effect for the team that's on the wrong end of the series. That's why this thing goes in streaks. Like Texas had lost four in a row before they won last year. And... Oh, you won five in a row from 2004 and Texas won four in a row with Peter Gardier. You know, it's rarely back and forth, back and forth, back and forth like it is in a home and home. And it's because if you get on the wrong side of the series, there's an uh oh, here we go again factor. And I'm trying to see what this OU team is made of. Are they made of? Are they made of? you know, Teflon and steel, or are they made of kryptonite? Because Texas has the weapons to jump on them, get them down early, make them think about last year. Or is this OU team got some resolve and some metal? Like based on what you've seen, because you've probably seen them more than I have, because I'm scrambling to write stories like last week. I didn't get to see much of the Iowa State game. What do you think? Is this OU team 
like a puffed up five and zero, or are they legit five and zero? Oh, you're muted. My bad. Uh, I think they are legit, but I also think they still have a lot to prove, and this is going to be their first real test. I mean, Matt Campbell, yeah, he's solid, but when you got Beck out there slinging it for you, we know that Iowa State team that lost to Ohio earlier in the season, that's not a team that's, you know, anywhere close to Texas. And then the week before, barely beating, which that's what it felt like. They kind of slugged it out, even though Dylan Gabriel went for over 300 yards in the Cincinnati game it was 20 to 6 so they slugged it out and I thought Emory Jones yes Oklahoma's defense was solid but I thought he made some horrible decisions and again the stats they they kind of lie a little bit they look a little fictional to me because you got a team in Oklahoma with their defense they're number two in the nation in turnovers they get to a game and again like I just told you some of these guys are making horrible decisions now yes they are going to get it at times, and when you got guys like Woody Washington in the secondary and Billy Bobin, those are solid dudes. And we've talked about Danny Stutzman all week at the linebacker position. And, you know, that's some bulletin board material for you, Jalen Ford, because some people saying that he's better than you. So, yeah, yeah, b- people out here talking like this dude, Danny Stutzman, is going to go higher in the draft than you. So, Jalen Ford, yeah, we're going to use that as bulletin board material, please believe me. But, yeah, I-, I just think that they have a lot to prove, Chip, and, yeah, they are a lot better than what they were last year. And Brent Venables, just all the different formations that he uses and throws at you, him blitzing early on downs, first and ten, second and whatever, he's blitzing, having those linebackers come in the a gap and stuff like that so they've caught a lot of teams off guard and they're a lot more athletic kind of like previous oklahoma teams it's just they're still missing those as we mentioned you know big time players especially on the offensive side so yeah i i think this oklahoma team they're gonna put up a fight but like i've been saying all week if texas brings it and plays like how we know they could play with the depth that they have and just all the talent that they have. Hey, this should be a no contest, you know, game. But like we also been saying all week, this is a different game. A lot of some weird stuff happens. And a lot sometimes when the team is favored, that team doesn't always win. It's a rival game. And Texas has a lot of pressure on them. So can Oklahoma exploit that? I don't know. But this team, yeah, they're they're a solid ball club. I just don't think they've had the schedule like Texas to we could, to where we can say they've been tested. Yeah, yeah. I think this is going to be fascinating. Um, because when the, when the week started, I felt like, you know what? I think Texas is going to handle business and pull away late and probably win by 10. Now I'm, you know, I'm looking at the red zone. Venables knows how to manipulate that stuff. He's going to probably back off. Like, he's been blitzing dudes. He's probably not going to blitz Quinn Ewers because he doesn't want to open himself up to that big play. Ewers has been pretty good against the blitz. And and when he's been blitzed, he's also now running. He got blitzed on third and eight against Baylor. Whoop. Touchdown. He got blitzed on third and nine against Kansas. Whoop. 30-yard touchdown. I think Venables is going to peel it back 
And then we get into a Wyoming situation. Now, it's a totally different atmosphere in the Cotton Bowl. As we just mentioned, everybody's got to keep their heads. Uh, but I'm starting to think Venables is going to go to what you would call a four corners situation, slow the game down, not give up anything over the top, make them nickel and dime all the way. And then, okay, we're in a cage match in the red zone. Y'all haven't been punching it. Can we talk about the Texas red zone offense, Zay? What are they doing throwing fade routes to Jay Witt? Throw that to A.D. Mitchell. I mean, it was open. That was just a bad pass. I thought that if Quinn put it on him, Jordan Whittington would have actually had a chance to catch it. Like, that thing wasn't even in the area to where Jordan Whittington could make a play. So, it's tough. Yes, I would rather have that for A.D. Mitchell. But a part of that is... Okay, it's A.D. Mitchell, the dude's six foot four. We know we should be watching him in the red zone. So you could kind of, you know, manipulate the defense by throwing it to somebody that they're not expected in a Jordan Winnington. Again, that was open. Quinn, you got to put that on the money. And that's a very difficult pass. A lot of guys in the league can't even make that. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know why we're running that play in general. And one thing that I've noticed with the red zone, like you'll see, oh, there goes that big. Oops. Oh, we got uh Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, great. Hey. And believe it or not, I was supposed to be prepared for that. My wife's been telling me about that all week. Like, yo, this is gonna go off on your show, and I forgot about it today. Point blank. Just forgot about it today. Like you had no chance of stopping that one. I don't know what it's for. I'm not reading it, but I hope everybody's all right. Anyways. What's interesting about Texas getting in the red zone, usually they take out Jonathan Brooks because lately he's been getting those big games, the big gains, and he's winded. So they've been pulling him and putting in C.J. Baxter. And, yeah, C.J. Baxter, he's next up. But Jonathan Brooks is the man right now. I trust him in those red zone situations way more than C.J. Baxter at this point for obvious reasons. I mean, Jonathan Brooks has over 500-something yards right now, and he's been playing great football these last three weeks. But he's usually a big part of why they get in the red zone, and then he's then he's just kind of winded, so they pull him out, and they put in number four, and you're like, oh, and then the play. Collins just not there. They got to get that right. They they got to get that right. You know, I heard Earl Campbell, great interview with Mike Harge today, hanging with Harge. He said, yo, back in my day when I got in that red zone, I wanted the ball in the red zone. I thought I should be rewarded. And I get what Sark's doing, trying to save the legs. It's a long season. It's a long game. If he pulls himself out, Jonathan Brooks, then that's fine. But yeah, when you get in that red zone after that long game like that, reward dude. Reward dude, give it to him again. He's got the stamina, you know, believe in him, especially when you have that type of momentum and if you, you know, play a little hurry up in a way. So, yeah, I think that the red zone has been. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Remember when they had the 18-wheeler package with uh, with Tyrone Swoops? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's Savion Red. I don't know if it's Malik Murphy. Can we get a little red zone package? The Wildcats, something? I don't know. I mean... Are we there yet? Are we at that point? I I don't know if we're there yet. 
especially in this game, trying new shit. <laughs> well, it worked for it worked for two fourth and ones against Wyoming. You're right. You're right. Savion's a, I mean, he's a determined dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, in this type of game, you should have everything in your bag. Right. Everything prepared. You know, Sark, he's been throwing the wide receiver pass a little bit. We've been seeing Byron Murphy as a fullback, and he's called a touchdown this year. So, Sark's, he's been mixing it up a bit. But, yes, I'm with you. We do need to see more of that. Shout out to our new sponsor for the text line, Coda, our Coda text line, 512 932 to eight and yeah man i you know for oklahoma what they want to do is kind of contradicting to what in a way they need to win because if brent venables wants to slow the game down defensively and wants to drop a lot back and not allow that big play but then they want to play really fast with jeff levy on offense then with this Texas defense that they haven't seen before, they haven't seen the talent, they haven't seen the strength, they haven't seen the front line. If they want to play like that and you start seeing those short drives for Oklahoma's offense and their field and they're uh, on the field a lot, then Steve Sarkeesian shown us these last three weeks. It took him a while against Wyoming, but he finally saw Jonathan Brooks can get it done and he could be the bell cow and the focus of your offense to open up that pass game. And if Texas has to go to Jay Brooks early, so be it. Take what the defense gives you. Like you're saying, Chip, if they don't want to give up the big play, if they want to, you know, drop eight back, drop seven back, then we're just going to run it up the field. And it might be slow. It might be ugly. But we saw against Kansas, them running the football, open stuff up for Xavier Wordy and Adonai Mitchell. So I expect that to happen if Brent Venables wants to play like that. But, man, just how many different ways and different, uh, excuse me, different looks that he throws at you, Sark has to be prepared because you don't want to see that Rice-Wyoming mindset of where, oh, we weren't prepared for this because they haven't shown it on film. No, you got to go way back and look at all the film from these last two years. Clemson, maybe Brent Venables' time as an assistant coach at Oklahoma. You got to look at all that, all that he's done throughout his coaching career and say, we might see this on Saturday and try to prepare yourself these last six days before the game the best way possible. And hopefully your team is disciplined enough to follow the game plan and go out and execute that day. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just trying I, I know Venables is a, is a chess. He can play chess. On, on defense against Sarkeesian. I love this matchup. I'm I'm yeah. ecstatic about this matchup. But because of the slow starts we've seen now, again, Ewer's been out, he's been outstanding yeah. in the high profile games. Is Ewer's gonna just he's probably gonna have time to throw it. And if he's on the money, this thing could this thing could get away from OU. But if they give up the big play, but if they're locked in on their defense and they're really tied together front to back, they could make it a slow down grind. I'm just fascinated by it, but I, I need to see, I would, I need to see a package for Malik Murphy, something because just change it up, especially in the red zone. You know, I don't know how comfortable Malik Murphy is running the ball, but he's huge. Right. He is six six two whatever, probably two sixty. Yeah. 
I mean, you saw that picture of him standing next to yours, and he made yours look like a peanut. They made sure that yours was on the other side of the frame from Malik Murphy. Oh, that wasn't scripted. That wasn't scripted. You saying that was scripted? You you saying it wasn't? I don't think so. I, <laughs> I didn't look at that. You talking about the shirt off swollen yeah. picture? Yeah, I wasn't looking at that as, oh, they trying to keep Malik away from Quinn because, you know, the difference is crazy. I wasn't looking at it like that. I just thought it happened to work that way. I mean. You might have something there, my guy. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. Malik, they have him listed at 238. I mean, okay, 238. I'd rather have him running it in the red zone than Quinn at 195. I don't mind Quinn getting loose in the middle of the field or running outside on third and eight, whatever. I don't need him, like, when everyone's packed in there. And then, you know, I'd, again, I'd rather have Savion Red or something. I mean, they already have that package in. But can we get some a little something for Malik Murphy? Yeah. I don't want him getting bored and distracted. Here you go. Here you go. You like this with Isaiah Nayar. We don't want them getting bored or sad because they're not getting any playing time. Can we rotate? Pounding and floating. I mean, can we rotate him? <laughs> a brother, I mean, what's it got to, what's it? Good heavens. We don't know till we see it. Yeah. Like, I'm hearing... Isaiah Nair, oh, consistency. That's what Sarkeesian said. Okay, well, what if he's a player? Like, what if he gets in the game and it's electric? So whose spot he taking now? Because you you had Jonte taking Jay Witt's spot, or taking his reps, excuse me, pardon me, taking his reps. Who's Isaiah Nair? With what we saw with Adonai Mitchell, 10 catches, over 141 yards, we got Xavier Word who's talking about running a 4-2 before it's all said and done in his career. Who are we going to put Isaiah Nayar in? Because I hear you. I would love to get everybody clock. If everybody could eat, that would be beautiful. But that ain't realistic. So with this Texas team being 5-0, who would you suggest Isaiah Nayar take some reps from? I mean, he could... <laughs> He could take a couple of Jay Witt's reps. Oh! Listen, I got two oh. NFL receivers. I got two NFL receivers. A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. They are NFL receivers. I need Jay Witt. And I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. Love him, yeah. Great blocker. Best blocking wide receiver in college football. He's helping Jonathan Brooks. He's doing stuff. He's making it happen. But, I mean, if you want Isaiah Nader to stick around and replace A.D. Mitchell when he goes to the league next year, look at Antrell Anthony. That dude can play. They couldn't give him enough sugar at Michigan to keep him? I don't know. That dude's made all the difference in the world for the boomers. Again, Sark knows offense. I'm not going to, but... I'm just saying. Yeah, and our guy Daryl G says five Rob receivers said all day. Hey, you might not have Jordan, or excuse me, uh, JT Sanders. 
that might be a possibility. That's how you get clock. Like I'd go, I'd go yeah. more 11 this week. Yeah, more 11, hell, more 10 personnel. Like, I take both just because you haven't put that out much. Right. And we don't you know what J.P. Sanders, we don't know his availability, which I don't think Sark's going to tell us anything tomorrow. Uh, yeah, he's not going to tell you anything. And that's smart on him. I want Brent Venables and those guys guessing. But, again, going back to that tape against Kansas and just seeing how that leg bent, Mm, it's not looking good, Bob. It's not looking good. Yes, sir. So are you Gunner Helm? Is he going to be able to get in the mix a little bit more? Does this coaching staff, because this is what he wanted, I've been talking about this week, Is this, does this coaching staff have more confidence in him on Saturday if JT Sanders isn't able to go? And, yeah, that's just – I don't well, know. That's what's beautiful about this offense is you could do so many things like you're talking about because they have so many different weapons. Right. And that's where I love this chess match. And and they look, they were productive with Malik Agbo as a heavy tight end and Gunnar Helm on the field together. That's a good max protect um, line situation. You're not going to move Malik Agbo in motion. Um, that's going to be Gunnar Helm, but that's a productive that's that's a productive um, personnel grouping. That's great. I think it would be I think it would be ironic if Texas came out in that four wide flex, took the tight end off the field, and put like Jonte Cook where Jatavian Sanders has been playing and get him matched up on linebackers and or hell Jay Witt for that matter. I mean any of those receivers and just have them be like, "Uh Oh, we haven't seen this. Yeah. Um, Cause I, if look, if, if they're going to play three, eight, if they're going to drop into coverage, you don't need to be motioning people. You already know they're going to, they're playing zone and they're just going to take, they're going to take away the deep stuff. So yeah. at that point, Let's get some quick guys who can get separation from a linebacker for that five-yard gain, and maybe it'll turn into something. Shoot. If they play 3-8, you talking about Jonathan Brooks going to New York, that should be true this weekend. Give me that. Yeah. Give me 3-8. Please yeah. give me 3-8. Yeah. 24, then, you're about to become a legend in front of everybody. What you did last week, we're going to do that again this week if that team wants to go 3-8. And Brent Venables, he'll make adjustments when need be, but then that's when you hit him with that passing attack. And yeah, I that, that is that's your three eight buster right there. Oh, is man. Give me three eight. Ah, oh, I'd eat that. That sounds as tasty as a Fletcher corn dog with some spicy mustard. Like that sounds amazing. And Sark has shown us these last three weeks. He could swallow his pride a little bit and say, you know what? Instead of having our pass game, which I love, instead of having that be the main focus and just start up with, you know, three straight passes on first drives and this and that, where we saw those struggles in the first part of the Wyoming game and just, you know, the Rice game and stuff, we're going to run the football and that's going to open up everything else. Because you, they now trust Jonathan Brooks. They didn't trust Jonathan Brooks. Obviously, you didn't start him in the Rice game. You started C.J. Baxter. You clearly didn't trust him. So, yeah, you'll say you trust him, but not as much as C.J. Baxter. So now 
oh, okay, he's proved it. And Jonathan Brooks, yeah, man, fire under his ass. He absolutely has something to play for because the guy coming back, oh, you were going to play a freshman in front of me? Okay, all right, bet. I love it because I've been here waiting my turn. I get it, B. John Robinson. I get it, Roshan Johnson. Both of those guys are getting carries every single Sunday. But bringing in a guy to replace me and you actually did that? And I've been busting my ass. I might drop some passes here and there, but he's cleaned that up. Had that one-hand snag against uh, Baylor on that screen. So he's cleaned that up a little bit. They trust him now, and he's proven that with his play. And if they go to that, if Brent Venables wants to play that 3-8, then 24, it's going to be a big game for you, and you're going to become a legend, dog. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. And you tried to say I wasn't hyped this week. Come on, man. I Don't mean, play me. Come on, I was man. talking about Jonathan Brooks for the Heisman, and you gave me like the stink eye, and now you're you're driving the wagon. I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here. You, you're like, hey, Chip, move over, man. Let me grab the reins of this wagon. <laughs> I'm here. Hey, well, we had Tyler Rose on today with Mike Harge, and just seeing him, the nostalgia with Earl Campbell, it's like, oh, yeah, man, this dude, Jonathan Brooks, and the way that he was talking about him. And by the way, CB did remind us that this is on you. Earl Campbell said he would like to see more of Jay Witt. While you're out here saying you'd like to see less of him, having two different players take reps, Earl Campbell says he wants to see more of 13. So how about that? Okay, well, <laughs> then let's target Jay Witt, and he needs to catch it, and let's go. See, he, he had bad luck on Saturday, man. Both of those passes were terrible by Quinn. Both of those looks for Jay Witt, they were terrible. That one across the middle in the red zone should have been a pick, and then the fade that we've been talking about, you yeah. know, where he was yeah. in the fly. Sharks got to steam him up. Yeah. Yeah. Like but Alabama he, was his last game where he played well. Where he actually got touches yeah. and made and he dropped sick. a he dropped a touchdown pass in that game. Oh, you bringing up old shit. <laughs> but and then what was going on in the Wyoming game? He like ran his route right into JT Sanders in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are we doing there? Yeah, that was a bad move. Like that it's was a bad move. I'm just I'm like, come on, Jay Witt, you're you're the man. Yeah. In high school, you were the MVP of like the offense and the defense in the state championship game. Guy was an animal. Yeah. I just, I, and listen, I love the guy. Yeah. I thought they ignored him last year when they absolutely they kept force feeding. And did you catch what Sark said after the game last week where he's like, uh, to get worthy nine catches? Last year, we would have had to throw it to him 13 times because everybody knew that we were going to him. Well, then throw it to Jay Witt. (laughs) If everybody knows you're going to him and you're going to force it in and double coverage, what are we doing? I mean, I thought they ignored Jay Witt last year. Hell, he might be lacking some confidence at the moment because they're not looking for him. He's probably so stunned to see a ball in the air coming his way. He's like, oh, man, what is that? 
Yeah, and, you know, that could be a lot of pressure when you know you're going to get limited balls and it's hard to get in a rhythm that way. Like, that could be difficult, and that's kind of what Steve Sarkeesian has to deal with when he has all this talent around. But, yeah, that was a weird comment. I forgot he said that after the game about forcing it to Xavier Worthy in 2022 a little bit too much. And that kind of just shows, you know, he didn't trust those wide receivers last year. You know, you remember Casey Kane, that huge drop that he had against Iowa State, like, like, I'll, that's tough to forget. I feel like he's still paying for that low key. <laughs> you know, I, every season should change and what you show in practice means something. And there's a lot of guys in front of him that are out here making plays. So it's hard to eat around here in these streets. But yeah, I feel like he's still in the doghouse from what he had last year. So it's just about trust with Sark and these wide receivers and all the guys that he wants to go to. And yeah, he has a ton of trust in Xavier Worthy. And I, I get it. Like when that touchdown that he had against Wyoming, not too many players can make that play where they could just catch those, you know, quick outs and then just have to take it to the house and use their legs, yards after catch type of situation. Not too many guys have that. So I get it to a certain extent, but yeah, you're right. Jay Way, he should have been utilized more last year. And this season, you're starting to see more of that with Quinn understanding, going through his progressions and understanding, okay, option one ain't there. Then let me look at two or three. I know a lot's happening, but he's doing that a lot faster this year. And just with the balanced attack that you have now with Jonathan Brooks, I think everybody's finally on the same page. And obviously we've been talking about the red zone. They have to get that right. But you saw some, you know, upsides in that with the Adonai Mitchell touchdown in the back of the corner. Like that was a beautiful play and poor cameraman. I don't know, Mitchell crashed into that dude. The dude still got the shot for ESPN. That's pretty talented there. I don't think he's got enough love when these people out here are talking about Texas football. But yeah, man, like they're, they're getting better. And I, again, I agree. They, they might have to bring out some stuff that hasn't been seen on tape yet just because this is that type of game. You want some Ollie Pop? You got to make plays. <laughs> you want some Ollie Pop? You gotta make plays. You know what I'm saying? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So here's the deal. And Ollie Pop, by the way, amazing. And one of our great sponsors. But um healthy soda. I'm addicted to carbonation. I mean, it's got nine grams of dietary fiber. It's good for you. Oh yeah. And very little sugar. Yeah. Like if you're I don't know how they do it. I mean I don't know how they do it. Kudos to Olipop. Um, but um, Zay, I'm I'm looking at this thing and I love this game so much. It means so much to me. I'm so excited to be going up there. It's like my 30th one. My Damn. 30th Red River shootout. You're like 30. Yeah. Like I've been going to this game as long Ooh. as you've been alive. <laughs> That's how old I am. But I'm I'm just fascinated, man. I'm fascinated to see what this OU team is all about. I know Dylan Gabriel's good. I know he's good. But can they protect him? He doesn't have a running game to protect him. I mean, if Texas gets like 18 of the last 20 meetings between these two teams, has been won by the team with the most rushing yards. The team that won the battle on the ground 
the team that could run the football the best has won this 18 of the last 20 years. And that's, okay, given that check mark to Texas, I like their offensive line better. I like their running game better. Um, quarterback, you know, Barry Switzer told me, team with the best quarterback wins this game. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's got crazy numbers. He's he's completing 75% of his passes. And he's kind of carried this offense with his arm. He's going to have to do it again Saturday. Like, Dylan Gabriel's going to have to play the game of his life. And if he does and OU wins, then people are going to be talking about Dylan Gabriel as a Heisman candidate because he's got, what, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's got the he's got the good looking numbers. I'm, you know, we talked to Gabe Eichard, and he's like, "Hey, this receiving group is the surprise of the season." I'm just, I'm like, like if you if you had to give the check mark, okay, team with the best quarterback wins. Who's the best quarterback in this game? Uh, I would say Quinn Ewers, but that's because Quinn Ewers has more weapons around him to help him be good while Dylan Gabriel is going to have to do more himself. And there's guys on that team, especially those running backs that are very unproven. So Dylan Gabriel has a lot more going against him than Quinn Ewers does, which makes Quinn Ewers the better quarterback in this game. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you want to look at it from – NFL standpoint, Gwen Ewers is the better quarterback there, too, on just next level and who should be better. Dylan Gabriel's smaller stature. His arm's good, but it's not NFL good, you know? And, yeah, just he likes to run and stuff. He's capable, and, yeah, his stats are crazy, almost 1,600 yards through the air. But he just has so much less to work with with this Oklahoma offense while Quinn Ewers has just so much to work with and this offense is very balanced right now so yeah I give the edge to Quinn I'll say this though well no I won't I I need to do I I was about to say something but I need to go look and see where the where Nick Anderson's touchdowns are did he have like three against Arkansas State or did he get them all against Iowa State and Cincinnati because to me or SMU SMU they're three and two yeah I I know he had one against Tulsa yeah Tulsa's terrible (laughs) Tulsa's Tulsa's terrible if they came against Tulsa or Arkansas State eh, that's that's the other little kind of poison cheese about Dylan Gabriel's numbers but I, I look I know he can play I know he can play I just can they protect him? Because if they if Texas gets to Dylan Gabriel, man, yeah, OU doesn't have another way to move the ball. Yeah, 
And they've been good against the blitz. Like Dylan Gabriel, he does a good job against the blitz, getting the ball out of his hands. And kind of like we've seen with Quinn Ewers in recent weeks, he uses his legs when guys just, you know, overcommit. So the Horns, I think they'll be fine just blitzing forward especially with this line and going into the fourth quarter when they're still fresh and they're still rotating like Bo Davis and Pete Kukowski likes to do. I think they're going to really make a big time impact because, hey, as good as the secondary has been for Texas, the safeties, they've been got a couple of times, man. That's a weak spot for the Horns. We saw last week John A. Barron and Keaton Crawford, a little miscommunication there for that Wilson touchdown thrown by Jason Bean. And then if you go back to the uh, – um, Alabama game, we saw it there where, you know, Jermaine Burton, he hit Jaron Thompson over the top and against Baylor, Monterey Baldwin had a couple. So that's where they're going to try to attack. And Dylan Gabriel, even though he doesn't throw deep much, he's around 59% and over 20-yard pass completion. So you got to be aware of that. But, yeah, the lack of run game that they have is a serious problem going into the best defense they're going to face when it comes to trying to move yards on the ground. So that's definitely going to play in the Texas' favor, but they have to be on P's and Q's because like Gabe told us yesterday, and he's absolutely right, their wide receiver core is very underrated. Like Andrew Anthony, he's got some juice. Like Farouk, he's not bad either. Drake Stoops, who's been there since his pop was freaking coaching, that dude is solid and is always going to be in the right spot. And, you know, he's kind of the security blanket for Dylan Gabriel on the underneath check down type stuff. And you mentioned Nick Anderson, that dude's 6'4". So I mentioned those safeties for Texas, kind of struggling about those deep passes. Nick Anderson, they're going to send him deep and they're going to try those horns. So they got to be ready. And I think Blake Gideon and those guys, they're going to get them ready. And yeah, we're not going to see this Oklahoma offense that we've seen this last five weeks because Texas is a different defense. Well, I'm thinking of the Wyoming game and that little dude, uh, number 11, uh, Wyatt Wyland. Mm-hmm. He had eight catches for 62 yards, and he just kept getting open. And Evan Svoboda, who we'd never seen before, was 17 at 28 passing. And, you know, they moved the ball. They didn't get in the end zone, but they moved the ball. And I'm sitting there going, okay, well, that's kind of like Drake Stoops, you know, a little while in, and then they got some other, you know. But I just don't know what the mindset of this OU team is. Like, are they, I mean, are they, like, do they believe? Are they, are they for real? Like, do do they have it for three and a half hours? Do they believe they can make every play? Are they going to make every play? Um, You know, if they are. This is going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. And that's, you know, that it, I'm just, I'm excited, man. I love this game. Yeah. But if they can't protect Dylan Gabriel, I just don't see, I don't see Texas blitzing a whole lot. But they need to do something about Anthony Hill always looping back to the inside because he, like, if he's on the field on the line of scrimmage, 
he's going to loop back into the inside. Mm-hmm. And because he's not at that point yet where he can, you know, win a one-on-one with an offensive tackle or whatever. You know, they want his speed. They want him to come flying around the corner and catch someone off guard, <clears throat> get back there like he did against Alabama. Um, and maybe OU's offensive line will get confused and they'll give up some big plays. Maybe they'll, maybe there's a sack fumble. Maybe there's a scoop and score. Remember when Chris Whaley scooped and scored from like 50, 60 yards out, big fella touchdown? That's like you, Zay. That's like you scooping and scoring from the 50. Please, man. I would kick the ball in the back of the end zone and get a touchback. That's how uncoordinated uncoordinated I would be out on that field, man. But, yeah, uh, Ant Hill, I think when they can simplify things and make it very basic for him, that's when he's at his best. I think these last few weeks, they've been moving him around a ton. And you go back to the Alabama game, his best game, where he was like Big 12 defensive player of the week. It was really just see ball, get ball, follow number four, Jalen Miller around. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's it. While and he did last, it. And he did it. While these last few weeks, he's had to do everything that a linebacker that's also an edge rusher has to do. So he's just a freshman, you know, that's, and we've seen that when just him going back to the inside, like he does, that's not the best technique. And a lot of guys like Ray Lewis will tell you that's absolutely toxic to do. I was watching him and Robert Queen. They uh, kind of did a little game film thing. It was really cool for the Baltimore Ravens. And they were talking, or Rokon Swift, excuse me, Rokon Smith and Ray Lewis. They were going over just film on what a linebacker should do. And Ray said, like, um, Roquan Smith did that, but ended up making the play. And Ray was like, yo, never do that. Linebackers, this guy is special. So if you're a linebacker watching this, don't do that. But this guy's so special, he can do that. Now, Anthony Hill, I'm sure he'll get there one day, but right now he's not there yet. So just keep it thanks basic for him. If you're Pete Bukowski and simple, you're going to see the best of Ant Hill and this whole Texas defense, like David Bender, he's been terrific all the way around. Like yeah. his coverage, besides that Rice game, his coverage, he's gotten that together. He's been locked in from, you know, east and west. He's been terrific. The dude's fast. We've seen him get sacks. Like David Bender, he's really proven us a lot wrong because we didn't know what was going to happen when DeMarvion Overshaw went to the NFL and we thought Jalen Ford would be all by himself out there. That is not the case. And yeah, them Oklahoma is just struggling to run the ball. Like that's going to be a huge problem. Like if they can find any type of run game, then this will be a game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I really wouldn't just because this game's so wacky and so much shit has happened throughout the years. I would not be surprised if somehow they just, got like a 70-yard runoff, and you'd be like, oh, here we go. That's just that type of game. But with what we've seen these last five weeks against teams that aren't good, really, against OU and them not being able to move the ball on the ground, Texas should exploit that. All right, Zay, we're going to be talking to uh, Quan Cosby at 215. Uh, you want to tell everybody about our good friends at Covert BK? 
Yeah, that's right, man. Covert B Cave, the family-owned group of automotive dealerships that have served the greater Austin area for over a hundred years. That is crazy. Over a hundred years, they have been committed to providing customers with high-quality selection of pre-owned and new vehicles, and the customer service has always been outstanding, which leaves the customer very satisfied. And at Covert B Cave, Dan and the crew, they will hold you down the seven brands that are just absolutely phenomenal buick gmc cadillac chrysler dodge jeep and ram you will get hooked up at covert b cave so when you don't want that check engine light coming on all the time your tires always messed up like no nah, man it's time to turn that car in that car is over nobody's out here is driving around in a saturn i don't even think they make those anymore so you need to get out of yours because you're not out here riding clean covert b you just they will hold you down. So go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Shout out to all the coverts in the greater Austin area. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. You got so excited you muted yourself. I know. I hit my mic. <laughs> I hit my mic. Hey. Back though. Um, our man, Dr. You, baby. Okay. Um, look. I know some of you don't like going to the dentist. How about going to a dentist you like? Dr. Greg Eckert. U-E-C-K-E-R-T. That's why we call him Dr. U. I mean, he makes dentistry enjoyable. Yeah, I said it. Makes it enjoyable. So all you got to do, whether you just general dentistry, you want, you know, cosmetic dentistry, sports dentistry, Dr. U's got you covered. All you got to do is uh, write down this number because he's going to give you a smile worth smiling about. 512-345-3166 or uh, make an appointment online at dr.ueckert.com. And um, Dr. U is also doing great work with Brain Vault, the patented mouth guard that is uh, proven to help reduce the uh, possibility of concussion. So if you're associated with, you know, a football team, parent, basketball, soccer, then um, go to brainvault.com to set up an appointment. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk to Quan because he was part of that 08 game that they did the four wide flex where they took the they took the tight end off the field and he and Jordan Shipley went nuts in that game. Plus, that was the best Red River shootout I've ever covered. It was amazing. And what, 15 years ago, say? Wow. 15 year anniversary of the 08. Red River shootout, 45-35 Texas. Texas should have played for the national championship that year. But the other coaches in the coaches poll didn't like Mac Brown. They liked Bob Stoops. So they voted Oklahoma higher and Oklahoma by like 700 tenths of a percentage point went to the Big 12 title game, beat up on booger-eating Chase Daniel, and then went to the national championship game to take on Timmy Tebow. But yeah. that was a that was a special year. 
that OA team. Like I get why they did a Longhorn 30 for 30, Longhorn Network 30 for 30. What do we call those? Just a Longhorn Network documentary on the 08 season. That team was good. Yeah. Yeah. Miller, big fella. Brian Arakpo. Earl Thomas. Had some dudes, man. Aaron Williams. Dudes. Come on, man. Kidding me? Yeah. Kidding me? All right, let me, uh, I got to tell you about this. uh, The great Blue Heron furniture, because this is like custom farmhouse leather. I keep telling you that I've got to get rid of this uh, massive leather couch that I have from my bachelor days. My wife's ready to be done with it. So one way you do that is you go to Great Blue Heron Furniture. This is custom-made furniture, high-end. And yet, if you click the link right there, it'll take you to our hook or our our uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. We have our own collection. That's how big we are. And you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off this high-end furniture. So you want to surprise the missus? Like I should, um, then do it and get the best quality built to last. Built to last. Um, that's what it's all about. So, Zay, where or where are you going to be on Saturday? I'm at the crib, man. Okay. I'm at the crib. Yeah, yeah, I need you there. You take great notes. You're a hawk. Yeah. You're breaking it down. Yeah. What it's all about. Yeah, I had my first Red River experience last year. Me and my lovely uh, wife, we went and we had a blast. I mean, how can you not have a blast? 49-0. But yeah, definitely want to go back eventually. But this year, I'm kicking it at the crib, chilling, getting the popcorn, man, some Olipop root beer. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. I'm going to be just checking in on this game on ABC with Herb Shriek and those guys. So very excited about that. And yeah, it's it's here. Like it's it's here. Like all the preparation and everything that goes into this game and the fact that these teams are five and oh, like it's very exciting and I feel it, you know, which is kind of making me a little nervous just because Texas has a lot more to lose than Oklahoma does especially Brent Venables being in year two while Steve Sarkeesian's in year three and with Texas beating Alabama and you could throw Kansas in there because they were ranked and being number three in the nation. If you went out, you know that you're going to get to the college football playoff where if Oklahoma, I don't know if they could get in, if they win it, a lot has to go on that. But yeah, like Texas, the pressure's on and will this team, Use that and say, nah, man, this is just a business-like event like they've been talking, or will it be too much for them? And will Oklahoma be good enough to get it done? I hope not. Well, that's that's where I'm like, I talk about ironclad confidence and 
newly formed confidence, like developing confidence. And obviously Oklahoma coming off the six and seven season last year, got embarrassed, lost by 30 to TCU, lost by 49 to Texas, lost at home to Baylor last year. That happened. Um, You can have developing confidence. Last year, Texas had developing confidence as a football program. And it, it took a hit at Texas Tech. It took a hit at Oklahoma State. This year, I feel like Texas has ironclad confidence. Like, they've got the bonds. They've got the belief. They've got the playmaking. They've done it. They went to Tuscaloosa and did it. Like, Oklahoma hasn't done it yet. Like, they haven't won a big game yet. Now, they can they can change the whole complexion of their season with a win on Saturday. But they've got developing confidence. And Texas, I feel like, has ironclad confidence. So, you know, the coaches I've talked to all throughout my time on both sides of this rivalry say, I don't have to say anything this week. I don't have to say anything. I'm just say, hey, we're playing Texas. Hey, we're playing OU. And the players take it from there. And, and if anything, the coaches got to ratchet them down a little bit like, hey, hey, hey. Whereas most weeks they're like, hey, you need to take this Wyoming team serious. And the players are like, yeah, yeah, man. My honey's on the other line. Right. <laughs> so that's where that's where this game comes in, Zay, because the momentum swings inside that cotton bowl. You were you were there. You actually saw a landslide last year where that was the earliest I've ever seen the cotton bowl empty out the OU half. Either half. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that can come back to get you. Like if Texas can, again, turn them over, turn them over early and make them go, uh-oh, man. And Dylan Gabriel's never played in this game. Now, we're going to find out if Dylan Gabriel's a gangster. <laughs> Because he was in Central Florida, Zay. What was yeah. the biggest game he played in? In the American. Mm. None. Nothing like this. Not, there is no game like this. Now, if he's a baller and he loves the big stage and he's been waiting for this opportunity, like I was born to be in the Cotton Bowl on October 7th. There's rain and hellfire on everybody who comes in my path. If that's who Dylan Gabriel is, oh Lord. Because you can a quarterback can a quarterback can get it done in this game. James Brown did it. Major Applewhite. Anyone remember 1999? I mean, Bob Stoops first year at OU. OU's up 17-0. And you're like, what is going on? Mac Brown is getting slapped around by Bob Stoops already. But Major Applewhite threw a sweet touchdown pass to Wayne McGarity, I think. And he got in Ante Jones's face. Ante Jones is like the biggest safety I've ever seen. And there was little redheaded Opie like jumping up face mask to face mask. Like, how'd you like that? And Texas came back and beat him like 34 to 17. Mm. 
That's rare. You get down 17-0 in this game, and that place feels like it's crumbling in on top of you. That's rare. But Major Applewhite did it, and I'm just like, Major loved that game. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and you would think that Quinn Ewers takes it that same way, being a Dallas kid, probably going to the State Fair as a youth and just kind of experiencing that. He grew up a Texas fan. He committed here, and if it wasn't for Tom Herman being an absolute just nut, nut Jack Reagan. Yeah, he would have probably not went to Ohio State and Columbus that one season, but, you know, digress a little bit there. Yeah, I expect Quinn Ewers to be as good as he's been all season and live up to that big game hype even though he doesn't want that you know stigma about him but yo Dylan Gabriel it's gonna be tough because again just them having a lack of run game like those wide receivers they are underrated if the ball gets in their hands they could do some damage but what we've seen this year from Texas them being able to make adjustments even seeing Jaron Thompson you brought up those Wyoming players that were just kind of dinking and dunking on those out routes and stuff like that well Jaron Thompson he figured it out and had a pick six so you're starting to see the adjustments made during the game as of last year you didn't see any of that you saw them start off hot a lot and then you know when the other team made adjustments start couldn't make adjustments to that well you're starting to see this year these last five games they get better as the game goes along and that's due to this team just being more solid mentally and also just rotating multiple players at different positions so guys could stay fresh so well back to yours coming out of the tunnel he talked about this on monday he came out of the tunnel for the first time in this game a year ago and he'd been there as a fan with his dad, yeah. as a kid. And he comes out of that tunnel, and he hears that, <gasps> like, he'd never heard booze like that in his life. He's running across the field. He had to turn around just to see it for himself, that just ocean of booze coming at him from the crimson half of the Cotton Bowl. And then he goes out and throws for four touchdowns and looks like, this is what I do in every day. I just carve people up. I mean, the at that point, all we had seen from Quinn in a big stage situation was 9 of 12 for 134 yards against Alabama, and then four touchdowns passing. He hits that little floater to Bijan on third down. He hits Jatavian Sanders in the seam for the touchdown, a contested wow. catch. That was one of his best passes of his young career. Yeah. I mean, Quinn yours looked like that game was in slow motion in that environment. So we know that Quinn can hold up in that environment. And look, Dylan Gabriel's talented quarterback. I'll be surprised if he's not totally on his, you know, Puma like awareness and sensing the you know pocket presence and doing whatever he's got to do run for his life to make drives you know continue i think it's going to be i think it's going to be fun we're going to talk to uh to Quan Cosby coming up here in a minute want to get his thoughts on it um i do want to say one more thing though about my man uh Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations because he's got you covered he's got you covered i mean you may not be thinking about it right now about that big screen, upgrading to that big screen, 
or surround sound, surveillance, new lighting, electronic shades. Tom and his crew will bring everything to you. All you got to do is call 255-8678 and he takes care of the rest. Done it for me in three different houses. Um, Done it at all your favorite restaurants in Austin. So trust my man, Tom McKay. He is, he's one of a kind. 255-8678. He loves hockey. If you love hockey, you'll be in heaven. Zay, what's your... What's your Red River shootout like? The Red River shootout you think of the most, the best? Um, oh five, oh five. I still remember Ramon's Taylor. Absolutely. Oh, you seven? Oh five, two thousand five. You were 14? no, I was probably like fourteen. Yeah, yeah, I was around there. But um, yeah, just all the oh man the last four years before that and the struggles that the Horns had and finally just pushing through, finally, you know, showing that you're the big man in the Big 12 and they're not going to get in your way on your way to the national championship and, you know, Billy Pittman in that game with Jamal Charles and stuff and Vince was on the money and, yeah, that one and obviously last year just being there physically like that one, that it doesn't get better to absolutely giving Oklahoma a donut and putting up 49 on that ass. Like, I know last year you go eight and five, whatever, you beat OU like that. Like, that might have Sark's job. You know, people will go, oh, we might get rid of Steve Sarkeesian if it got dark. And you look at that 49 0 game, like, oh, maybe let him stick around for a couple of hours. That, that's how that was. So, yeah, that's. Those are two that I definitely remember and, yeah, always cherish. Yeah. Yeah. How about you with the 31 years, 31 times? I mean, 08 was the best. There was some, there was some, you know, that four overtime game was crazy during, wasn't that the COVID year? Feels like it, yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, that was crazy. Sam, you know, playing his heart out, and then coming back the next year and beating them. Uh, the dicker, the kicker, field goal. Um, you know, you look at. I'm looking at this 2020. Yeah, 2020 was the 53-45 four-overtime game. And then, man, in 2021, man, you thought Sarkeesian had figured it out. Because Texas got off to such a good start. Overshone blocks the punt. I mean... It's off to the races. It's 28 to 7. OU's making mistakes. They were like, they like false started. And Xavier Worthy scored a touchdown on the first play. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. And then who? Who came in? 
for the OU oh, Sooners yeah. as quarterback. Because that if Spencer Sanders, there. if Spencer Sanders would have stayed in that game, Spencer Rattler or Spencer Rattler, sorry, Spencer Rattler would have stayed in that game. Texas would have won by thirty. Yeah, but they go bring in <laughs> the Heisman winner, the Heisman, and that fourth and one where he goes for sixty nine yards. How about the catch by uh, Mims? Yeah, Marvin Mims. Yeah, at the pylon. Yeah, he like twerked his body back to the left, and it was like an OBJ catch. That was stupid. They were making crazy plays. Yeah, they were making crazy plays. That was that was wild. I mean, but I mean, at one point they snapped the ball to the Heisman winner. The ball hits the ground, and he picks it up and throws a touchdown. Like, yeah. where was the rush? Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, that was tough, man. Yeah, a lot of guys on that Texas team, that 5-17, and 17, it seemed like they quit uh, by the end of the season, and you might say they want to quit in that. They quit in that game, too, but whatever. That's in the past, and Sark brought that up, too. He said there he were a lot of guys in that locker room now that were a part of that game, so they remember both sides of it, 49-0, and then... He also had- said we had some warts that needed to be removed. And now I think because they've this group has been through that and they've won, they have real confidence. They have they have solid steel confidence. I'm just not sure that OU has that yet. I don't, you know, Brent Venables, I don't like to listen to coaches and how they talk, but Brent Venables sounded like he sounded worried. He's not confident to me. He did? Uh, well, I, well, what press were you talking about? The one he did yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, he was laughing and stuff at the beginning, telling jokes. Like, right when he got to the podium, he was making jokes and stuff. He was like, oh, now y'all want to hear about the opposing team that we're playing? Y'all ain't, y'all ain't asking me no questions about the last five teams that we play, but this week, y'all want to know against the team that we're, oh, y'all want to know about the team that we're playing. <laughs> And I thought that was funny, and that kind of showed me, okay, he's kind of, look at Brent, a little relaxed. But you thought he was worried? Well, when Barry Trammell talked to him about how this series goes in streaks, uh, and are you concerned that Texas has already started one after the way they beat you down last year, Venables is like, uh, well, we have a bunch of new guys on our team. I mean, we still have some guys from last year. But, you know, we're a different team. Uh, I don't know about these streaks, but he knows. He knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He knows, man. Got to get off to a good start in this game, man. Come on, Brent. Don't let him see you sweat, man. Don't let him see it. Don't let him see you sweat. Don't let him see it. Come on now. Doesn't Brent Venables look like the villain of like just some diehard film or some old 80s film like Beverly Hills? He does. 3.5. Like, he looks does. like a villain. Yeah. He really does. Just, I don't know. <laughs> obviously, him wearing those colors, but he looks like the villain that's trying to take over the world and blow up stuff and get all this money. And yeah, I bet when he gets mad, that shit ain't good. That shit Remember the. Good. 
What was that movie with Natasha Henstridge when she turned into like a she she would turn into like a lizard or something and eat people? Like Brent Venables looks like the bastard child of Natasha Henstridge and whoever her lover was in that movie because he's he kind of Brent kind of looks like kind of looks like a lizard. What was it? Species? Yeah, species. <laughs> species. Yo. Venables looks like the bastard child of Natasha Henstridge from Species. You might be giving Brit too much credit because Natasha, that's a hot lizard. Oh, she's hot. Hot alien. Wow. Yeah, she's hot. Wow, what a time. Yeah. Venables, though, man. Shit. I wish I had that jaw. That dude. Of jaw. I've never had a jaw. Yeah. Like I got a turkey neck. I need oh, I need a jaw. Brent Venable's got a jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Like he came out of the womb with that jaw. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. He could he could probably take a shot. He could probably take a shot. You know, he'd probably eat a you know, if somebody tried to punch him in the face, he'd probably eat that well. It wouldn't phase him like it phase others out here. You know. All right, let's get to him. Let's get to him. One of the best receivers in the history of the University of Texas football. He just went into the Longhorn Hall of Honor. You see him on the big screen before games, trying to get everybody hyped. The one and only Quan Cosby. What's, What's up, up gentlemen? What's, What's up, up baby? What's up? What's up, Zay? Good to see y'all, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's that week, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. Okay, I'm almost so, there already. I'm in freaking Waco. We just whipped there, but you know what? <laughs> a few weeks ago, so it's easier to come back to Waco and now uh, head to Dallas first thing in the morning. Oh uh, yeah, because you're you're close to home, Mart. Oh yeah, I will actually go to Mart. Uh, my family unfortunately had a little something they had to deal with, so gotta go check on the family and uh, get the week right so we can go whoop some Sooners. You know what? Well, okay, so give me, before we get into the deep dive, I wanted to ask you about 08. Tell me what you're feeling right now about this game. You know, it's funny, man. It it almost has that feel. Um, That one was so weird because you got number one, number five, and um, it's weird to talk on this level nationally, but if you think about it, one of us, we beat their butts. We got screwed out of the championship game. But Oklahoma went to the national championship that year. Am I saying Texas is going to do that or Oklahoma is going to do that? I'm not saying that, but what I do know is whoever wins this game is going to be talked about in the playoff for the national championship. And so it's a very, very similar feel from that standpoint. But then you add all the other lines, the, the farewell season, the commissioner talking this crap, which I think I heard that he wasn't going to come. That's so petty. And I'm going to be honest, <laughs> I actually kind of like it a little bit. Kudos to him. He don't want to go see this great game or be on game day. And, and cool, good. But you know who will be is Snakey, uh, old boy from uh, the SEC. So you add all of the flavor. You know, you have the ingredients, and there's so much flavor about this game that reminds me of 08. And I hope the Longhorns take care of business just like we did back then. 
Yeah. Hey, Quan, when people think of this game, your block comes up more than any highlight that I see <laughs> when this comes up. One of the greatest blocks in Texas history. Who, the fact that you can't block like that anymore, does that make you <laughs> upset? Or do you understand that, okay, just for the health of these guys, it's probably best. No, it, it pisses me off. It's football, man. You can go knock somebody out all day long on defense, but you can't. I mean, listen, when you catch the ball, as long as you use your shoulder, because by the way, that block was a legal block, and you just can't blindside block. I hit him with my shoulder. The fact that his feet touched the clouds was his own business. That's a different situation. The defenders can do that to offensive players all day long, as long as it's a legal block. So you, as an offensive player, when somebody's trying to tackle your dude, you shouldn't have to raise your hands up and turn your back to him like it's flag football. And so I hate that they can't be – they can't do that anymore because it is fun. We've seen it on the highlight video, the DJs, the Tony Brackens, to all these – just crazy. I mean, hell, I don't know if Roy Williams on Chris Sims will be illegal. You know, he jumped over the line. So um, I, I love seeing it, man. It's funny. You're right, Zay. It comes back every year. And at this point, I kind of laugh. I was like, all right, here we go. They're about to start showing Let Me Home. <laughs> and so I, I, just, I wish we could keep doing it. This game does that, Quan. You, you make a play in this game, it will live on forever. You're no, that's real, Lenny man. Holmes, you know, Stoney Clark at the goal line in 94, James yes. Brown in 94, Shipley's that's kick that, return in 08. Bro, and that's what's so cool about this game, man. Uh, I think I've said it plenty of times before, but talking to our boy Keith Moreland, when he talks about playing in the World Series, when he talks about all the amazing things he's done in his career, he said all of it comes second to walking out of that tunnel. You know, when, when I – it's amazing. I was I – was, I got into Waco and a group text with some dudes and they sent the video of Quinn Ewers running out of the tunnel and the booze and then the cheers. Dude, I haven't played ball in a long time and the goosebumps that came up, that is what this game is about. And yeah, when, when you when you make plays and um, you, you score touchdowns, I mean, you just it's just things you remember. I remember Johnson, uh, you know, the wheel route. I, I, there's so many plays that you remember about this game and why I very biasly feel like it's one of the best robbery games on the planet. So, um, dude, it is freaking, it's Wednesday. Hump day, it, it's probably one of the most important hump days in the fall to the Longhorn legend, uh, Faithful. And um, and so it's, uh, I'm fired up, if you can't tell. Yeah, Quan, yeah, how do you keep those emotions in check? Because you've been in that game plenty of times. And when you were at Texas, you just had that grown man mentality just coming off from your baseball days and making money and stuff. So it didn't seem like anything phased you or the moment was too big. But for the rest of your teammates and stuff that might have been new to it as young freshmen or just because of the game itself being so big, how do you keep those emotions in check? That's such a great question. And I got the funniest freaking story. When I was there and I had something to do, when I had a role in playing in the game, oh, I slept like a baby because I was like, I'm about to, it is going down. If you think about 08, we switched up our offense a little bit. They started putting Shipley in the slot, me in the slot, and we went from a Z to an X, but we were the Y, the Z, the X, and they were like, what the? They put us on the same side. We're like, all right, we're going to double. Let's go. And so that I had control over. The grown man, 
dad bod me now have been waking up at four o'clock in the morning every damn morning because I get so fired up. Dude, yesterday I woke up at 430 and I'm like, what am I doing? So I rewatched the freaking Kansas game. So I, at, by, at by 525, because you fast forward, you got to worry about the bull crap. I was done with the Kansas game and I got even more fired up and couldn't sleep. So I can't channel him now. I did a lot better job when I played and I actually had a little bit of say in how the outcome was. And But I will say, watching the game, we have the best freaking leaders on the planet uh, with uh, Kevin L. Tyfe, Jay Hartzell, CDC. Watching the game with them and um, seeing their emotion. And it's easy to see why we're trending in the right direction. You know, I got to give them their due. Uh, when you have every layer, you know, that that buys in, working together to make sure things are right, um, it, it's good to see. And I've now gone to, let me see, I got back to Texas in, I think, 2015. From that year on, I haven't missed this game. And for as long as the good Lord led me, I will not miss this game. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I should even say this, but we had a, it's been a tough week for my family. And we had a um, an unfortunate passing and so that's why i came down to waco today but uh, my old man laughed so it's not too sad i heard you know i was like okay when is the funeral they said yeah it's saturday i said like october 7th saturday and they're like yeah i said um Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, listen here, I am sad and I grieve and I'm going to get emotional seeing my family. And my old man, he is literally trying not to explode. He needed to laugh, honestly, because he was super sad. I said, but um, if it's between 10 and 5, I can't be there. <laughs> and, they, and they laughed and, and they said, unfortunately, it is. But we totally get it. Enjoy and we'll see you after the game. So it just tells you what this is about. Everybody gets it, even in tragic situations. But going back to the more lighter thing, we are damn good, especially on our defense. So I like I like our chances Saturday. So, Quan, I was trying to remember in 08, did you have an injury at tight end because you went to that four wide flex? You took the tight end off the field and you and Shipley were getting matched up against Ryan Reynolds and you were wearing his ass out. Yeah. You had nine catches for 122 yards. Ship had 11 catches for 100 plus. Yeah. I mean, was, was there an injury to the tight end? No, man. We actually hit the tight end at times too. What we did, we, we just, they, they couldn't figure it out. They We, we had them. Brent Venables <laughs> would talk about come full circle. He's over there going, what the bleep is going on? Uh, they didn't know what to put a, a linebacker on us. And especially if they're playing zone, they were trying to kind of match it like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, put me on that LB. This is going down. And then, like you said, Reynolds. And I know Jackson was over there. We just, I mean, they were so confused. And we just ate them up. So, no, not so much an injury, just a little wrinkle in what we were doing. But the beauty of what we did back in the day between Colt, Ship, even the youngsters and Collins and Kirkendall and all the guys we love and, and that, that balled out, um, we knew every position and we wanted to know it like a quarterback. So the concepts we ran, I knew what the tight end was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew the outside guy. And, and, and so we can go at any one of them. But them trying to double ship or double me, we just they they could never figure it out for their personnel. 
and in four quarters they didn't and they and again bro they were loaded they had Jermaine Gresham they had Sam Bradford they had D Murray they had some dudes but um they just on defense <laughs> they they left that game and and it, it truly changed their their game a little bit for the rest of the year because they didn't want anybody else to do it so they made themselves a little more interchangeable and at the end of the day they started playing man and we, that's what we wanted and, and that's why we had some damn good days because uh, they, they didn't know what to do from a zone blitz standpoint, which they like to do. Okay, real quick, just to follow up on that. Y'all were down 11 twice in that game. Yep. Shipley's kick return kind of swung the momentum back to y'all, and then you end up winning by 10. Yeah. The, the momentum in that game is like no other because of the fact that you got half crimson, half burnt orange. The sound never goes down. Like as a player yeah. – Talk about how disorienting it is. You know, normally you're like, oh, I hear the crowd when I'm at home and it gets quiet yeah. when we're doing well on the road. But it's not like that at the Cotton Bowl. Bro, it really isn't. And that's the beauty of it. You kind of know what you're going into. and But you you have a little more control than you think. Whoop their ass. <laughs> they get quiet and they leave early. I mean, that's insane. They're the team that is taking care of business. Well, I was there last year. Listen, I, I ain't gonna lie. The fact that they came back like they did two years ago, I was really surprised how early some of the Sooner fans left last year. But they saw it. They were imposing their will. They controlled the line of scrimmage. Bijan was running on them like he was crazy. Uh, Quinn looked like uh, Joe Montana. And they just they couldn't stop him. And so that's the beauty of it. It's, it's so cool and it's so unique. You do gonna come out of that tunnel and you see more middle fingers than you've ever seen in your life. And then by the time you get to the 40, you see that wave of burnt orange going crazy. So we always said it. If, if we catch the ball, we're on the 20, we're on the 25 on our end, two plays, we can be out of it. And that was our mindset. We controlled what we could, and that was making plays and making sure we stayed on the right side of it. Yeah, that was the best Red River game I've ever seen. Brother, it was so freaking fun, man. And it's it's crazy because people talk about my favorite games in my career. And we put the national championship in the world of its own, right? We all have to. Um, and then you go back. And the Fiesta Bowl, I'm going to be honest with you. I loved every bit of that game, the way it ended. Storybook for me and my career and our team being Ohio State. But I don't know that it's better than that game. I think that's my second favorite game of all. And I, hell, I scored two touchdowns in the Fiesta Bowl. But that game, the way it went down, we were going at it, that block, Mawson's Jackson, Shipley's return, so much as a kind of complete team perspective. And just that atmosphere, it puts it on its level. So I'd say my favorite games in my four years, one being the Natty, two being 45-35 versus those cats. Yeah, legendary game, Quan. That was legendary performances by you. But looking at this Texas team, you just mentioned how you watched the Kansas game. It does not look like J.P. Sanders. I wouldn't put, it up, put them out there on Saturday. That ankle, whatever, knee injury, yeah. it looks really bad. So with that happening or possibly that happening, where do you think Sark should go? Should we go more wide receivers? You're starting to see the emergence of Jonte Cook weekend and weekend. Oh, yeah. Gunner Helm's going to have to step up. Where do you see him with this Texas offense if they're without number zero? Man, you know what? One of my favorite players on this team is, is Jordan Whittington, right? And there was a time where I was like, well, man, he's still, he's getting his two, three, maybe four catches, but we need more. I think we're, uh, can make up for JT Sanders 
And the beauty of me rewatching that Kansas game is Jay Witt had probably six, seven more targets. And I like that. And I think if they land those targets just a little bit better, for some reason they're a little off. When they get in the zone, when, when they get it in the kind of the vicinity, you know, Jay Witt's going to catch it all because he has great hands and he's so sure-handed. And so they play him a little bit like at times people thought they played me. You know, it was really, you know, that 10, I mean, really 10 to 20-yard range or shorter, and then you you break a tackle type of deal. And so I think you can make up for JT. Now, I'm not 100% sure JT's not playing. Um, he, I know he, the, the, the fact that he kind of hobbled off the field is a good sign. And so there's, you know, I, I think uh, he certainly would have been limited in practice. We're not, we need to look big picture. Let's be real about that. But if he's not playing, I think his five or six catches, you know, two, three, four can go to Jay Witt. And then the screen game we've done phenomenal in. Um, like I said, you know, seven scored a touchdown in his game last year. So maybe a couple of plays to him. And then at the end of the day, man, the way our O-line is progressing, organically to control certain levels of the crowd noise, the momentum, man, Brooks is is running like a, a possessed person. And so I think the balance thing that we saw last week where we're, you know, 300, you know, 600 yards of offense, not that I'm going to expect that versus a Brent Venables defense, but 300 and 300 or like 270 and three plus, that's what it's about. So I, I still think we have enough weapons. Um, and, and JT, I think it wasn't late in the game where he got banged up on and we still kept getting better, kept making plays. We want him. Believe me, that dude is a cheat code. So we want him every day we can, but we're so deep on offense. I think there's ways, like you said, with Cook, with with Jay Witt, and then, of course, Mitchell and Worthy. Good luck on them because they're dogs, and, uh, and we can still be very productive on offense. What's the area of concern for you, Quan? You know, the area of concern for me, and I think they've handled this tremendously well, is um, winning 49-0 last year. This is not the same Oklahoma team. You're not even the same Texas team because you're number three in the country, bro. You wouldn't beat Bama and Tuscaloosa. You are the hunted now. Um, when a team comes in, even in a robbery game like this, and they have nothing to lose, who knows? You got to be disciplined. Uh, their quarterback didn't play in last year's game. He's playing in this year's game, and they, they're pretty damn good at the deep ball. We've been okay, just okay at defending the deep ball. I think there's room for improvement from that standpoint. So I think that would be it. Um, them being complacent a little bit because of how easy it was last year. And the, the couple of things they do well, we're okay at. The things we do well, I'm comfortable with. Our D-line's going to ball out. I think PK has earned every bit of the, the beast that he is, and um, and, and he's going to pressure him and do what he can. But their ability to, to kind of launch it down there and then how easy it seemed for these guys, I hope they don't get in their head because this game, I don't give a damn what happened last year or 10 years ago. It is a new game every freaking play, let alone – every game or every quarter, every play. We were up 21, Caleb Williams comes in, they beat us. Every play, this game has to be played until it's all said and done and you put on that gold app. Do you know that Texas has not beaten Oklahoma in back-to-back years since 08, 09? 
Damn, I didn't know that. But Man. I'm not surprised. No, no, that's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's 08 and 09 because I went 3 and 1 versus those mofos. But, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, man, that's, that's it, though, Chip. Zay, I mean, this game is real, bro. You get, you truly have to throw out what I didn't say was, yeah, you're the 100 and we're, we're ranked where we are. But that's not why I'm worried. I'm worried because of how easy it seemed last year. I'm worried because they do have a very improved offense and and system. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, they were embarrassed. So they're going to come out a whole nother level of intensity. And so that's it, man. No, you don't win this game. Yeah. Oh, you had that five-year run. But we for since then, it's been back and forth. Hell, even Charlie and Herman beat, you know, um, you know, OU at some point. So it's just it's what this game is about, man. It's why. I've been waking up at four o'clock, wishing I could play in it one more time. And uh, but I, I do think between leadership and the dudes we have, I still a hundred percent believe we have the better roster. It's just uh, especially in this game, they're going to have to go out and prove it. Yeah, yeah. You got to make them say, "Uh oh, here we go again." You know, you got to punch them early and make those guys who suffered through forty nine nothing think, "Uh oh." Listen, Dennis Green. They are what we thought they are. That's what we need to go out there. Now, different concept because we know what happened there. But we truly need to go out and, and prove them right because I know they have doubt. They've watched that film. If, and listen, if they see how physical we are. That, that is in the back of their mind. Play one, go out and hit them in the mouth. Remind them that's what it's about. Because truth be told, I think over the years, that's been the difference in the game. In the trenches, physical ball, whoever punches, not first, but punches the most and harder, they they win the game. I, I remember it was a few years back. I don't know if it was Herman or Charlie. Man, I saw them, like, help up an OU player. I don't know that I've ever been that mad in a Longhorn, as a Longhorn, than seeing that. Because this is not that game. I'm sorry, but you don't help them up. They chose across the river. They can help themselves up. If anything, push them down again. And so that's what it's about in this game. And so I want us to go out there and do what – that's what won in Tuscaloosa. Those fans – I've those fans had a concerned look because I don't know that they have ever been pushed around like that in that stadium. And I think in Dallas, you do that again, we're all going to be pretty – we're going to have a whole different conversation come next week if, if they do – if they prove them right. Are y'all doing a 15-year anniversary for the 018 this year? Nah, man. Not that I've heard, man. Honestly, for, for me, and, and and we've gotten together just because you don't you don't win like that if you're not real close. You know, Zay, your boy, Griff, we all go golf, play pickleball. We, we do all that. And uh, so, ironically, we don't ask about it because we organically do it. Ragpo, Colt, him and Ship coming in, I believe. Matter of fact, actually, they're coming to this game. Okay. They're coming to this one, and then they're going to come to another one soon. So we, we're we all on group text, and we talk about it. But when you communicate, and you're as close as we all are, you don't even think about those anniversaries and whatever. You This week, you're more trying to calm down, wishing we can go do something. But we're not going to make it official on that level. But there will be a lot of our guys there fired up as we ever can be. And uh, game day is coming again. So it's, uh, it's going to be plenty, we feel like, to celebrate. Yeah. Man. Hey, Quan, before I let you go, man, I know you play golf with my pops at Bucky's Mullet Open. Man. Yeah. How, was this, how was this game? Because I know you're for real Whoa. when it comes to this golf. Hey, don't, down, don't bet him. 
<laughs> don't bet him. That man got game, brother. Hey, Pops can go, man. Hey, and I don't know how he felt about it, but, uh, bro, it was one of the funnest times, man. Coach was fun. He hit the heck out of that ball. He got a nice little draw to him. He he, he made some plays for us. We, we were in the mix. Now, the, one of the problems, though, people struggle at math at Bucky's open. Bucky's mullet open. And nobody should be coming in 88 under, and they always do, but we 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 were too honest for for some levels of that tournament, but um, no nah, man, your boss. That was so much fun. We talked ball, his stories. I can man, give me a, something to drink, a cigar, and I can sit there and listen to your pop's stories all day, every day. And his game is good. So we we've been talking about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. I told him we need to we need to golf again in, in uh, Austin. So I'm gonna have to reach out so we can do it, man. It was it was a dang good time. Nice. Juan, man, we appreciate it so much. We know you got a lot going on. I'm sorry about the uh, the death in the family. God bless and uh, appreciate that, safe bro. travels. Yeah. Hey, man, appreciate y'all. Y'all do a phenomenal job, man. Good to see it. And uh, hook them. Let's go whoop some OU. You. you know what? Let me see. What is it? 240? Yeah. Uh, it's true. They still suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, Quan. Congrats on being in the hall, so appreciate man. It, baby. Thanks, Quan. Oh, appreciate that, fam. Oh, yeah, man. Now I'm all, uh, give me a neck roll. Yeah, come on. Yeah, man. That, that gives you hype, man. Yo. I'm in. Yo, shout out to Mark K. Mark K, you a real one. He said that he is watching Quan highlights from 08 while listening to Quan chop it up with us on Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Yo, that's the ultimate Texas fan. You are doing it. We need more people like you, Mark, for real. Because I'm going to watch those highlights. Once we get done with this, I'm going to go watch those highlights, too. Because Quan got me hyped. Yeah, man, you don't help nobody up in this game. You risk the flag of pushing them back down. I'm not saying you put a stomp on the helmet like my man did last week. But, yo, yeah, that was foul. That was some foul stuff. But you have that mentality. You ain't helping nobody. They ain't our friend. They ain't our friend. Quan's right. They decided when they crossed the river whose side they want to be on. Brendan Thompson. Brandon Thompson, we talking about you, young blood. Talking about you. Yeah, man, it's John A. Baritone. We shaking his hand after the game. Shoot, I don't even know. I'm letting that happen. After you the know? game. John A. Barrett, he's a good guy. And Austin Knight, he was raised right, you know, great family and stuff. But shoot, man, if it gets ugly, it gets ugly. It is what it is. Brendan Thompson, he made his choice, and it's going to be going down on Saturday. Quan got me hyped. That was a great interview, man. And, yeah, that's what you get here on Texas Sports Unfiltered with Chip and Zay. That's what you get here. Get. Come on, man. Texas Sports Unfiltered. Tell your friends. It's so easy. Man. Like everyone's like, oh, how do we listen? Uh, yeah. YouTube, just put it on your phone. Yeah. YouTube on your phone. Put it in your car. It's so easy. Or the app, Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Like, this is, this is the best sports talk in Austin and Texas. Let's go. Let's go. Get on board. I mean, we're growing like crazy. Uh, so, man, it's been fun, man. It's been it's, fun. We're just getting started. Zay and I are just getting our getting our groove down. I learned this week he's per Zay Hilton. <laughs> he loves the social media. He broke the news that Quinn Ewers is dating a Sooner. 
That's the first time you heard that. Wow. He, he has kept that down. I'm not stalking people's social media like I'm you. I'm not stalking it either. I just follow the players. Oh. And he'll, he'll happen to post her when he's posting all that, you know, deer heads and hunting stuff. He'll mix a little bit of his shawty in there. And I happen to go to her profile and saw that her. Now, she doesn't throw the horns down. She's respected. Now, she has pictures with her friends. Like, she was at the game last year, which must have been weird for her, you know? I mean, do you cheer? Because your boyfriend's picking apart the school that you go to. I don't want to get baby girl jumped, you know? Because, I mean, that's dangerous territory that she's dealing with. But it's working out for them. I believe in uh, love, young love, and, yo, Quinn, yours. With I'm if he ain't talking to her this week, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You ain't got to talk to her this week. That's fine. She should understand. If she a loyal one, she should understand. And yeah, we ain't talking to. This is one of those weeks, like we said earlier in the week, Chip, where if you have that shorty that comes over to the crib and stays till midnight and stuff, you kicking her out at 10 p.m. If that, if that. Maybe maybe 11 if she brings some food over. You know what I'm saying? Like, if she brings that grub over, then maybe you can uh, stay till 11. But nah, man, you got to kick old girl out early. This week too important. Can't have Women weaken legs. Yeah. <laughs> Rock. Who said that? That's Mick from Rocky. That's right. Rocky That's is right. like, you've seen, you've seen the movie Rocky? Yes, it's been a minute, but yeah. He's, so he's he's a dope, right? And he's fallen for this girl. She looks like a librarian. Yeah, what's her name? Talia Shire, but her name is Adrian. Adrian, yeah. Adrian! No, Adrian! Yeah. And she wears little granny glasses and, you know, stares at her feet. And he's, like, crushing on her. Which is funny now, because Sylvester Stallone's, like, married to... Jennifer Flavin, who's like a model. Oh, yeah. I've seen his brothers. They got that reality show. He he did I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he did I. <laughs> what channel's that on? Oh, I want to say it was on that Paramount Plus. Yeah, I want to say it's on one of those shows. But yeah. What, Ian Flavin? I don't know. It's, House of Stallone? Yeah, some yeah, something like that. Like House of Stallone and all his kids are girls and yeah, they all look good and have that just Kardashian-like features. And like you just mentioned, the wife looks good. And they just act like his life is so ridiculous with dealing with nothing but women. But yeah, he did I as far as looks go with them women. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you just heard Quan Cosby. And if you're just tuning in, uh, kids, you got some... You got some podcasting to do. You got some, uh, check out the podcast on Spotify, iTunes. And Harge, hanging with Harge from 11 to 12, had Earl Campbell on. Jason's already, like, he's hitting the blocking sled at his office right now. Yeah. Everybody's ready to hit the road. And we'll be in Dallas. I'll be in Dallas. My man Zay's going to hold it down in the ATX yeah. But um, Friday, we're doing a roundtable from the State Fair of Texas. It's going to be nutso. So you know where to keep it all week long and all season long right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. 
Rolling. We'll be out in Dallas. Well, Texas Sports on the Filter will be representing Texas out there in Dallas, unlike some people that claim right. they represent Texas. Just saying. Right. Just saying. We'll be out there. Some people won't. Hey, we took, I'll be out there. You know, We took matters into our own hands. That's what you got to so, do. So we're going to do it right. We're yeah. going to do it right because we're not beholden to a bunch of idiots running shit sideways and into the ground. <laughs> just making stupid decisions. Horrible decisions. It. Come on, man. What are we doing? We are the captain now. Yeah. For real. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Hey, I, there, hey, that's two legends. That's two legends. One Jordan Winnington out there. Mr. I want to take his reps for the freshman. And Isaiah Nayor to keep him happy so he can come back next year. That's two. We got Quan. We got Earl Campbell. I'm I didn't say saying. bench the man. <laughs> I just want, I just want Jay Witt. Just want him to have that great year. And it it hasn't gotten off to a great start. It could go like woo. I'm I'm ready. But Jonte Cook last week. Smoke. Yeah. That dude's getting ready to bust. Yeah. He's getting ready to bust. I'm just saying. Yeah. Going back home, too? Come on, man. Going back home. And, and don't forget, Quinn Ewers going back home. We we might see Quincy Ewers, Quintavious Ewers, like we've seen these last two weeks. That brother, you look at that uh, uh, depth chart, and it says South Lake Carroll. Well, the way that he's been running, it looks like more of South Oak Cliff. When yours, man, Brent Venables, those legs, you didn't think you have to worry about that. Now you do. So play man if you want. Just hey. playing yours. He'd be making moves in that pocket. He made some good throws in the pocket, man, just moving around, avoiding the blitz, throwing sidearm on quick slants and, sl- uh, and stuff. And the fact that now he's has the confidence to run the ball at different times and not, you know, give up his body, even though in the way he did on that bootleg on the goal line. But Can we get Tory Becton? Can we get Tory Becton a raise? He's got Quinn Ewers running around like Quintavious Ewers or whatever you're calling him. <laughs> He's got Arch Manning at 20 miles an hour. He's got I gotta no see film on cramping, that no soft tissue injuries. This team's in good shape. They're pushing people around. Tory Becton got offered the Rams job. Damn. A year ago. And he stayed. Damn. I'm just saying. Yeah. Don't let him go. Yeah, man. And. I mean, Throw both traffic's bad. Yeah, both traffic's bad, but I'd rather live in the ATX because it still feels kind of a small city. Los Angeles is just stupid. And then, you know, Tory Becton's doing a lot of teaching with these young guys where all these guys in the NFL, they got their own trainers and stuff too. So, you know, that might get in the way of certain things. So, yeah, Tory The Beckton, love of the game. Right. The love of the game gets severely tested in the NFL. I'm just telling you. Yeah, it I does. It. Like yeah. college, you're with your boys. You're you're you got four years. You're having fun. NFL, it's all business. And unless you are a superstar, it's such a grind. You're just trying to hang on, man. Yeah. But Tory Becton, 
and we're not going to have to worry about cramping. I don't have to call my crampologist this week. Kansas ran out of gas. I think they were cramping. Crampologist said they were going to cramp. This week, it's going to be 70 degrees, Zay. It's going to be like in the 60s when this game kicks off. Yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly, huh? I mean, I'll take that. I know the people walking around the state fair, they'll take that too. That's some good weather to have in, you know, this type of environment. And, yeah, I think the Horns, just their ability to wear teams down, that's going to get Oklahoma in the long haul. And Dylan Gabriel, as good as he's been this year, he has not faced this type of defense. He hasn't faced just this type of talent. He hasn't faced this type of mass at the line with Ravondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins and Vernon Brown. He hasn't faced that. And B. Murphy, man, he has not faced those two dudes. You know, and they foaming at the mouth right now. Like, cause they, they, they probably feel like they're being slept on in the way because others out there are saying, especially Aggie fans, I see your tweets and all that stuff. Texas hasn't played anybody. Texas has played a backup quarterback the last three weeks. So are they really tested? Okay. Well, here's a chance to prove it. A guy that has stats that look like he should be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in Dylan Gabriel. Number six in the nation in pass efficiency. Six in the nation. That those stats don't lie. I don't care who you play, those stats don't lie. The dude's been balling the South Paul. So if you're this defense, oh yeah, this personal. This personal. Because Jalen Daniels, who I don't know if he'll be back this week. I haven't looked at what Kansas has going on, but some people said, oh boy, was just scared. Now, I'm not going to throw that at Jalen Daniels. I'm going to give him a little bit more competitive spirit than that. But this Texas defense, I'd be scared. Hell, we saw Jason Bean. He was not the same after he took that shot from Jalen Catalan. He didn't run no more. Running wasn't an option. They didn't go back to the triple option much. And when they did, it got stuffed. And Jason Bean, a guy that likes to use his legs a lot after he got his world rocked by Catalan, we didn't see him use his legs no more. So when you get hit a few times, and we know Dylan Gabriel has a track record of being injured due to the size or lack thereof, then your head's going to be on a swivel, and that's going to get you out of your rhythm, and that's going to be in Texas's favor. So even if they don't get him down for sacks, just hitting them legally, that's going to cause some tension for Jeff Levy in this offense, especially when they don't have a proven run game. Yeah. How do you think Jason Bean felt on Sunday morning? Oh. <laughs> He's probably like Janet yeah. Jackson looking for that rib that just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of those we're in the cold tub, we're in the hot tub, we're going back and forth, we're getting treatment, you know, overtime on the treatment and stuff like that. You might have to miss a class or two just to keep up on the treatment. Yeah, Jason Bean was feeling that one for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and that's two games in a row where Jalen Catalan has absolutely demolished somebody. And I'm ready. I'm ready to see it in this Red River game because, like, we just talked to Quan Cosby. Again, if you missed Quan, if you missed Earl Campbell on with Harge today, then make sure that you get to the podcast and uh, and check those out because we, I mean, Zay came right in with Lendy Holmes. Had to. 
And it, and that that play lives on. You say Quan blocking Lendy Holmes, everybody knows what you're talking about because it happened in this game. This game makes legendary players and plays. You you ball out in this game, you will be remembered forever. Yeah. And I mean, Quan cold blooded. He's talking about he still wants to see that type of stuff. And you know, <laughs> Yo, Lindy Holmes, Lindy Holmes might have CTE, chill, and Quan out here just like, man, it's his fault. He signed up for this. It is what it is. That brother Lindy Holmes might have some serious CTE because Quan Cosme knocked his block off. And I was going to ask him if he's ever seen Lindy Holmes since. No, nah, that's, if I'm Lindy Holmes, like if I see Quan, we're fighting. Like he, Quan ruined Lindy Holmes' Red River shootout existence. Oh, oh, man. Like, if Lendy Holmes shows up at a game, that's all anyone's going to talk about is, are you okay? I mean, yeah. you got lit the F up. Yeah. You got oh. knocked the F out. Are you okay? Yeah. That was 15 years ago. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Dude might have CTE, and I'm being for real. Like that stuff catches up that hit. Because if you oh, Google Lenny right. Holmes, that's what comes up. <laughs> it is. It is. I I almost feel sorry for the guy, but I don't. No. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. That's that's what he deserved. That's what he deserved. Word up. Like that's that's what you get in this game. You sign up for it. You know, now that's why they took it out the game. Because guys like Lenny Holmes, he's an example. That's why That's why they took it out the game. Because they don't want people to be traumatized like him and have that PTSD where you wake up in a cold sweat at least once a week. They don't you, want remember, that. you remember when Marquise Goodwin cracked back on that dude from UCLA? Yes. Yes, they I called do. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was Quan-esque. Especially for little track athlete Marquise Goodwin, who's still in the league, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He's Marquise, had solid, baby. He's had a solid NFL career. Oh, man. Because when you're that fast and you lose a step, you're still faster than half of and more, probably 75% of your position. So, yeah, you could have a very longevity-like career because you've always been faster than everybody else. Like Deshaun Jackson, guys like that that just play for a long time and just have absolute blazers. And if you don't do anything stupid, then, you know, you could stay in the league like Marquise Goodwin. So kudos to him, man. Salute for sure. Come on. Come on. So tomorrow we will have Lance Taylor. And our man Stretch, because the Cowboys are playing the 49ers. We haven't even talked about that. We will tomorrow, kids. Don't you worry. We will squirrel away a little bit of time in the 2 o'clock hour tomorrow to talk Cowboys with our man Glenn Smith, the former Cowboys offensive assistant coach. And, of course, we will talk to Stretch about the Red River shootout because he went to Texas and he also works with quarterbacks up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He knows everyone at Apex where yours and Patrick Mahomes work out. And, and so we'll have that. And we'll have Lance Taylor at 1.30 talking picks. Lance's lock.com. 
He said he would lay the points with Texas against Kansas. He was right. He's been uh, money. Yeah. He's like you say. I've been all right, man. Uh, I've been all right, you know. Yeah, you're six and three. I'm like, I was doing great. You and I were tied at four and two, and then I went, I think I go over it. I get one right. I don't know. I got one right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just trying to stay consistent, man. That's the name of the game. Hey, going back to Quinn Ewers and the Patrick Mahomes working out and stuff, like, it seems like they've talked with the way Quinn Ewers is playing. I'm not saying he's playing like Patrick Mahomes, but you're seeing some similarities with him using his legs. Like, Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't want to be Lamar Jackson out there or Josh Allen. even the, Right, know. but if the DBs turn their back, you make them pay. You make them pay. And if you're athletic enough, then have confidence to get those yardage. And you've seen that with Quinn, just like you saw with Patrick Mahomes icing the game out Sunday night football. Like, you know, I know a lot of people were upset that he didn't get the touchdown, but hey, he's a quarterback. He's just thinking about the win. He ain't thinking about those fantasy points. But yeah, man, use those legs. Quintavious, Quincy Ewers. Quintavious. Carroll, no Sappho Cliff. Come on, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Look who's look who's coming. Look who's coming. Oh, uh, yeah. What's up, ladies? 